This episode is sponsored by Best Life Coaching Society. You're in the right place. You're checking out Chip Baker, the success chronicle. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is uh, Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. And today we have my guy, Brian Carrington, with us. And uh, he's a Houston native. Uh, UH alum and director of recruiting at UT, University of Texas, and uh, really, really good guy, uh, doing some big things, a lot of positive vibes, uh, and, and and doing some great things there at, at UT. And so, first, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time for interviewing with the Success Chronicles. Um, and I appreciate you having me. All right. Well, talk to us about your life story. I know I mentioned know some things about you know kind of where you're from but if you don't mind just talk to us about that life story and kind of track it up until now okay um so i'm, I'm from houston born and raised uh from the north side of houston acres home acres home texas uh that's that's where all my family is from um so i grew up in acres home um my mom actually sent me to schools outside of acres home so you know she always wanted me to see the other side of life and not necessarily where I lived. Mm-hmm. So uh, it kind of started in elementary school. I went to River Oaks Elementary School. Uh, they used to have to pick me up at 5 a.m. And uh, I'd oh, be the wow. first one to get picked up. I'd be the last one to get dropped off um, to go to River Oaks. But it kind of showed me the other side, you know, me being an African-American and kind of getting me outside of my comfort zone at an early age to my mom was trying to introduce me, you know, that it's a, it's a whole world out there. Um, there's been a lot of people in the years growing up from middle school and uh, high school. There's a lot of people that were victims of their, of, of circumstance, you know, people mm-hmm. born in Acres Home, dying in Acres Home, don't see nothing else but Acres Home. So I, I really appreciate my mother from an early age sending me outside of my comfort zone. Uh, at an early age, my mom always told me I had the gift of gab, you know, and, and, and that I need to, you know, I was, I was a good liar when I was a kid, but she told me I had the gift of gab, but she'd always tell me to, to kind of not talk so much because I was always the, the most outgoing person. She used to always tell me to listen. And so among my peers in my neighborhood, I would also, I would always be like the, the leader or the most vocal one. Kind of when she sent me to the other side of the town, when I went to River Oaks, it kind of brought me into a shell. You know, I, I didn't uh, relate to the people that I was with. I didn't look like none of the people I was with. You know, I was used growing up being the only African-American in the class or one of many, uh, one of five in the entire school. So from middle school, um, after I graduated from River Oaks Elementary, um, I guess my mom said, you know what? I got to put him around his people now. You know, he's he's got a foundation from uh, from K through five at River Oaks Elementary. 
then I went to Klein Intermediate, which is kind of, uh, it's, a, it's a school that I could walk to from my house. Uh, so I went to Klein Intermediate, uh, kind of got into a little trouble in, in going back to the hood, per, per se. Um, I felt like I had to prove myself amongst my peers since it was a disconnect with all the friends I went to school with. You know, uh, all, all the kids I played in the neighborhood with early, at an early age um, lived in my area. And upon going to middle school, I was returning around that same type of crowd. So I felt like I had to prove myself coming back in. Yeah. So I was a knucklehead um, in middle school. I made a lot of mistakes. I had a lot of lessons learned um, during that. I felt like I had a lot of growth um, towards my eighth grade year. Upon my eighth grade year, being that my mom planted the seed in me at an early age to step out of my comfort zone, I decided to write a letter uh, to St. Pius the 10th High School. Um, in that letter, um, I let out, laid out my dreams in life. You know, my dream in life was to be a football player at the time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the University of Texas, but I felt that to achieve that goal, I needed to go to St. Pius again and kind of get back on track. Um, it started as a letter. Uh, it began to grow. I used to go up to the high schools. I used to be the ball boy for the varsity games. And so, you know, I really started to really want to go to St. Pius. Upon um, getting into St. Pius, you have to take a test. So I took a test. I passed the test, obviously. Then came the financial hurdle. The financial hurdle um, was at St. Pius. You look at St. Pius today, it's $10,000 a year. You yeah. know, I was raised by a single mother, so she wouldn't be able to pay, you know, for that education. So out of me writing a letter and me being a ball boy and me being engulfed in the program and the culture at St. Pius, it began to kind of slip away because I was like, you, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to enrolling and it's X amount of money that needs to be paid. You know, point blank, uh, my mom couldn't afford St. Pius. Mm -hmm. uh, but out of, out of nowhere, I was, I was selected um, out of a lot of students at St. Pius to, to kind of have a benefactor. So um, I was rewarded a benefactor that paid for my entire education at St. Pius. Wow. I mean, you talk, you're talking about an eighth grader, you know, from, from the hood that, that come in there and obviously I got picked, but I had to be interviewed by an entire family. And so I'm in there and it's, it's an entire family. It's like eight people, you know, eight elderly people that are interviewing me where I come from with my story. And I remember them asking, you know, who's the mayor, you know, who's the city controller, you know, name a few councilmen and me I was naming so many councilmen because my grandmother was a politician and mm. it was Beulah, Beulah Shepherd. And so she was uh, a prominent figure in Acres Home. And she's, she's known amongst many to be the, patri the matriarch of Acres Home. Um, so I was, I was always traveling with her and going to banquets and luncheons. And, you know, I remember I, I interviewed Sylvester Turner when I was a little kid, I actually created uh, for a school project, the first African-American magazine for young, young boys. Uh, at the time, I, I believe Sylvester Turner was a state representative. And I still got the photo. I got to probably send it to you. Uh, yes, photo me, me interviewing Sylvester Turner, uh, who is now the mayor of Houston. And my grandmother got Sylvester Turner into, into the business. Uh, Sylvester Turner, Sheila Jackson Lee, just to name a few, were people that she kind of laced up into the political, uh, to the political world. Uh, so flash forward, I was, I was um, 
accepted into St. Pius. I, I got a benefactor to pay for my education at St. Pius. And St. Pius is responsible for teaching me how um, the real world is, you know, no handouts. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm going to St. Pius. I'm getting, I got to catch two bus, buses to get to St. Pius. Mm. And the students at St. Pius, you know, 14 years old, driving up, riding up with a BMW and, you know, everybody had cars except me, I'm riding a bus, you know, but at the same time, <laughs> I was raised to be very appreciative. You know, I remember, you know, the lights being cut off, not having, you know, the phone being cut off, you know, yeah. staying at the house all day and whatnot. I think that really gave me a foundation to be driven, you know, that nothing was going to be given to me. I learned that at a very early age. So St. Pius taught me that as soon as I turned 18, you know, stuff is about to get real. You know, you know, I'm looking at students that got, you know, trust funds and come from wealthy families. They got, you know, very privileged uh, individuals. And, you know, when I leave St. Pius, I'm going back to the hood. I'm going back to poverty, you know, but I get teased from it when I go during the day. You know, I get teased, you know, from the life that other people live. And so it really made me zealous, made me a go-getter at an early age. Um, when I was, I was then accepted to the University of Houston out of St. Pius leaving, you know, uh, Houston. And I remember telling my mother, um, never let me quit college. You know, I got to get a college degree. You know, back in the 80s, you get a college degree, you get a job. Easy. You know, today, you need a college degree and, and that don't even guarantee you a job. That, that, that yep. gets you above it. Uh, above the threshold uh -huh. so I told my mom you know mom don't ever let me quit college no matter what right so um from that point um I went to U of H man and I'm telling you it was a culture shock you know I had my own place I'm talking about I didn't go home for like three months upon enrolling and getting my own dorm so I <laughs> felt the first my first taste of freedom yes you know being that I had a lot of structure coming up even in poverty my mom was always there for me and to give me advice, you know, as far as how the real world would, would work, you know? So yeah, it was, it was a shock to me to be on my own, you know, and I started being at, I went to St. Pius, you're talking about a college preparatory. I'm having a school, I'm having two hours of homework. I'm thinking college is about to be a breeze, but I didn't know how to uh, balance. Um, I didn't know how to balance the student life, you know, with the actual academic life. So yeah, I began to make yeah. the student life, the college life a priority. And I used to put college on the back burner because I was just going through an experience during that time. My grades kind of fell off. I, I was on academic suspension and then uh, I was on academic probation. And then I was eventually on academic suspension, meaning I, I had to stay away from U of H for a year. Mm. So uh, during the time, I mean, I had my first apartment when I was 18 years old. Um, so I, I've always had my own place to live. Um, while at the same, I used to take my refund checks and like, I was, I was responsible financial. I used to take my refund checks and I would just pay my rent up a few months, you know? Yeah. Um, but when I was academically suspended from U of H, I had to get a job. So I started bartending. You know, I got six years of bartending experience and me bartending I bartended at the Papa Seafood House um, on Woodridge, you know, 45 South and 610 South. Yeah, that was that's my first, spot. Yeah, that was my first spot uh, <laughs> where, I, where I was a, a waiter. 
I used to get my cash daily. I was making about $80 a day, man. I had it made, you know, for my rent to be $480 a month at the time. You know, I stayed in, you know, um, I stayed in a, in a, in a very rundown area. My rent was $480 a month. So go figure in Houston where you stand at for $480 a month. But no doubt. I took pride in, you know, having my own place to lay my head, you know, that's why I cover my shame, you know, so I was good with it. So it, I learned a little financial responsibility and a taste of the real world in my absence from U of H. Um, after a year, I started going to HCC while still bartending and I was able to get my associate's degree. Um, I moved up kind of in the bartending world as far as I used to be the head bartender. Uh, when I was at Papa's, also when I was at Olive Garden, um, so that that I was I was financially stable, but I always needed to know. I always knew in, in the back of my mind that I needed to get back to school. So when I felt that I was responsible enough financially, I said, you know what, let's go back to school. Mind you, I took sixty three hours in three semesters and two summer sessions to graduate. Mm. In, in less than a year from U of H while working full time within the football program. So I'm back at U of H, you know, for the first time I'm sitting in class. I, you know, my original degree plan was in broadcast journalism because I wanted to be a color commentator for, you know, either baseball, uh, basketball or football. So when I got back in, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to go into the sports administration route. And so that's what my major was declared as sports administration. So I'm sitting in class with um, a professor named David Walsh at U of H. And he's like, you know, you guys think y'all just going to get a degree and get a job. You know, that's not the case. You need experience. You yes. need to go get your foot in the door somewhere. Yes, yeah. So I was like, so I was like, dang, you know, I need to get my foot in the door. Where can I get my foot in the door? Flash black to, to, to Klein Intermediate when I was in middle school. My mom used to get the Houston Chronicle dropped off on the porch every day. I used to go in there and grab the sports page. Fold it up, put it in my back right pocket. I get to school, I'm reading the sports page, I'm reading stats, I'm reading all of that. And one day I come across the, the Greater Houston Hot 100, which was mm. always talk, which was talking about, you know, the top 100 players in the Greater Houston area that's going to play football somewhere. So I, I began to be kind of enamored with recruiting. Uh, I've been following recruiting since, since 2003, mm -hmm. pretty much. So I've all, I mean, even as an amateur, I always kept up with it. You know, I know, you know, uh, who was good in the city. You know, I knew who on my team was good, you know, and I kind of, it was interesting to find out, you know, where football, because football at that point was like a gateway out. Like, man, this kid gets a free education to go somewhere, which was why my dream was to go to the University of Texas and get a scholarship because I knew, you know, paying for an education was not the, was not the way to go you know even though i had to eventually pay for my education i knew sports uh was a way out so it kind of clicked to me that man you know what you know this this college football recruiting stuff is pretty interesting and and i have a background in it even if it's if you want to call it uh as an amateur so i was like you know what right there in class i'm typing up this email right i'm typing up this email you know talking about how i've been following recruiting since 2003 and I'm real zealous towards it. And, you know, I'm basically offering my services for free to the university. Mind you, the timing is everything. Mind yes. you, Coach Herman just got hired as the coach from Ohio State. He just won a national championship. You know, so I was like, dang, let me reach out to the recruiting department, to the video department, 
I'm CCing everybody to the damn email, you know? <laughs> so, so, so it I get a, I gotta get yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I get a call three days later. It's a guy named Adrian Mays. He answered the call. He's like, Brian, I just got your, your email. He's like, when can you get over here? I want to meet you. I'm like, shoot, I can come over right now. You know, I can come tomorrow. He was like, nah, you ain't got to come right now, but let's come up tomorrow. Hmm. So, I, so I hung up the phone. I'm like, man, you know, I didn't even expect to hear back from that email. I'm just trying to follow what the professor said, you know, yeah. take a shot in the dark. Mind you, Coach Herman was assembling his staff. He had only been in Houston less than a week. You know, so I get over there. I interview with Adrian Mays. I talk to him about what I want to do. And I remember him telling me, you know, this ain't something that you can volunteer. We give you this position. You can't come back in two months, three months, and be like, nah, this ain't what I wanted to do. You know, you need to be 10 toes down right now. Yeah. And I was like, you know, from my standpoint, I was just happy to be a part of a college football program. I've been following sports for my entire life. You know, if I could flash back one, one moment, I'm at Papa Seafood House uh, right before I was academically suspended. The coach at the time at the University of Houston was Kevin Sumlin. Mm-hmm. The offensive coordinator was Cliff Kingsbury, who was not a head coach at Texas Tech. They was at my section. They sat in my section at Papa Seafood House before I was academically suspended. And so I'm sitting, I'm their waiter or whatnot. I knew exactly who they were. You know, at the end of the, at the, end of the meal, I'm giving them the check. And I, I, I tell Coach, Coach Sumner, I said, man, what if I got a desire to get into college football? How would I go about it? Mm. And he was like, you got to come up there and you got to volunteer, man. Just, you know, just come up to the facility. I don't know now why I never shown the initiative to do exactly as he told me. But I guess when I was in class, when Dr. Walsh brought it up in my second return to U of H, I was like, this is exactly what I need to do. So I got that um, position, man. And I remember meeting Coach Herman for the first time. And I mean, for the first year and a half, I doubt Coach Herman knew my name, you know, or anybody within the facility knew my name. Yeah. But I but I always, you know, I'm always you know, I don't need anybody to believe in me because I believe in me type deal. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna keep my head down and I'm gonna work. And I told them that when I first got there, I'm I'm gonna grind and I'm gonna make sure you know my name at some point. You know, so I started establishing my my, my social media profile. And sooner or later, when kids come on campus, this is this is kind of why timing is everything. You're talking about a brand new staff that gets to the University of Houston. I'm a student at the University of Houston. I know more about this campus from my time, my first stint at U of H and my second stint at U of H than anybody on this staff. So when you bring a recruit up to the school, who better to show them around than yeah. me? Yeah. You know, than me. So I started to, t- to, you know, slowly put more stuff on my plate that I can, and not only that, but show my peers and the colleagues that I work with that, hey, man, I'm, I'm coming with it type deal. So from Coach Herman not knowing my name, anybody in the facility not knowing my name, over time, they knew my name. Over time, kids would come up to the school and be like, hey, where Brian at? You know, where BC yeah. at? Where B at? And it kind of clicked to me that, man, you know, I'm, I might be doing a good job, you know? Because I remember Adrian Mays came up to me and was like, you know, so-and-so asked about you. You know, so-and-so asked about you. Great job. And I was hmm. like, damn, you know, that's all I got to do? Get these kids to say my name? Bet, we good. So over time, you know, I'm learning the entire foundation of recruiting, right? I'm learning the, the ins and outs of recruiting, the foundation of recruiting, 
from the bottom up, you know, slowly adding stuff to my, to my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it kind of just took off from there, man. Uh, I mean, I've started my social media fr- from zero followers. Now I got over 11,000 followers, I think, but I used to start just branding myself and dropping facts about the university of Houston on the Twitter. And I remember the first time I got Coach Herman to retweet me on Twitter, I was like, man, you know, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> so Coach Herman retweeted me, and, and it became Coach Herman always retweeted me. It became Coach Herman speaking to me in the hallway. It became other coaches interacting with me. It became other coaches bringing recruits on campus and wanting me to hang out with them. It became, all right, Brian, you're going to go to the official visit with us. We're going to have dinner, you know, mix and mingle with the family and all of that. You know, so slowly but surely, more stuff started getting put on my plate. And I wanted to continue to prove myself because initially, all I found out, I knew about the coaching carousel. You're talking about the University of Houston. The head coach at USC was a running back coach at, at, at Houston at some point. Our yeah. Browse that had a run at Baylor was at the University of Houston. Mm-hmm. I remember when RG3 was committed to the University of Houston. Kevin Sumlin uh, went to Texas A&M, now he's at Arizona, University of Houston. Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech, Dana Holgerson. Yeah. West, yeah. West Virginia was at the yeah. University of Houston. Uh-huh. So I was like, dang, all I got to do is find one person to mess with me for them to get a job and bring me with them. So that was my, my short-term goal. Like, by the time I graduate, I want somebody to, to take me with them wherever. And I had low expectations, man. Uh, you know, I just wanted to be somewhere. You know, I set a goal in my class, which is probably on YouTube. I did a per, per, um, I did a I did a um, a YouTube video on my career goals, mm. and in 2016 I said my career goal is to be a director recruiting at a Division One program, not the University of Texas, but as a Division One program. I take anything just to, just to be involved in recruiting because you know I have a real passion, you know, for recruiting. I want to be in, you know, mostly college football. You're talking about. A, a majority African American kids, right? So if I can touch them and get them to realize that football isn't who they are, but it's their platform, and get them to come to a university that's going to benefit them after the ball goes flat, that's that became my new goal. That became my new passion, and so it just built it and built it and built it. And then when when Coach Herman, you know, uh, names start being in a coaching carousel as far as getting to the University of Texas. You know, um, I was told by a few staff members that I'd be, you know, a candidate to go with them. You know, so I, I kind of knew in advance um, that I'd have an opportunity to go with Coach Herman wherever, wherever he went, um, which definitely made me feel good because mm-hmm. uh, without a job offer at that point, I would have had to wait to graduate in the spring. But because I had a job offer, not only was I able to accept the job at the University of Texas, but I graduated from the University of Houston one week after I accepted this job at the University of Texas. Hmm. And me working full time for the University of Houston while taking 63 hours in less than two years, it really inspired me to work so hard and it pushed me versus when I was a regular student, I was just being a knucklehead. I didn't have no organization that I was part of Hmm. that would help me make sure that stuff was in order. But as soon as I found out that I was really doing stuff good at, at the University of Houston, 
I was like, man, I can't BS with these academics because if a coach get a job, I need to be graduated type deal. So I don't have no time to work. You know, I'm taking 18 hours in a semester, you know, while working full time. Mm-hmm. You know, so fast forward uh, at the University of, uh, when I got to the University of Texas, while I was at the University of Houston on my Twitter, written in my bio was, you know, Brian Carrington, Houston recruiting assistant, zealously devoted, eager, committed to be the number one football recruiter in the country, right? When I got the job at Texas, I'm driving up to Austin. I deleted that on my Twitter bio because it was time for me to become the number one recruiter in the country. I couldn't be, I couldn't be talk, I couldn't be talk no more. It couldn't be all talk. I had to be about it. And so when I got to the University of Texas, I had to set higher goals for myself. You know, because I have to be my motivator. I can't let external things motivate me. You know, I have to be the source of my motivation because I come from the mud. I come from, you know, where we don't have trust funds. We don't have inheritance. Yeah. You know, we got to go out here and get it. It's sink or swim. Go get it. You know, and I'm not trying to just have my head above the water. You know, I'm trying to be comfortable. I'm trying to, you know, uh, set up something for myself long term. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be no one hit wonder. I can't go back to the struggle. I remember those days. Yeah. You know, that's what drives me. So, you know, I I set higher goals for myself, you know, and I put in the work and I put in the time and flash forward one year, man, I'm, you know, we signed the number three recruiting class in the country. Yeah. We signed 19 ESPN 300 recruits, which is second, tied for second all time since ESPN has been ranking recruits. We signed the best DB Hall in the history of college football. We signed the number one, the number two, the number three safety in the country, which has never been done. We signed six of the top DBs in the state of Texas. I mean, we even had a national presence. Yeah. You know? Um, And, you know, it was like I was living a dream. And when I was a little kid, I used to play NCAA. (laughs) You know? And I I got a twin brother that's He's an audio video technology teacher at Crosby High School and coaches the freshman basketball team. But I, I used to play that video game with him. And we used to do Dynasty Mode. Obviously, I'm picking Texas. He picking Texas and them, right? And it's a, rec- it's a recruiting element on the video game. Yes, yes. And my, my brother used to always fast forward and want to sim through it. And I used to be like, nah, don't sim through that. I need to send this mail. I need to get these top recruits because that's going to make my team better next year. I need to see what I have, huh? Yeah, I need to see what I got leaving. I need to see what I got going in. So the dream of me being in recruiting started from when I had the controller in my hand, you know, playing video games. You know, so so fast forward, you know, in one year, I'm up there with the big dogs now. I'm not recruiting against Rice and Texas State, you know, SMU. I'm recruiting against Alabama, LSU, Florida State. Uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I'm recruiting against perennial powerhouses, storied programs with a lot of prestige and history, entrenched in history. So, I mean, my first, for me to, to, to write a letter to St. Pius and saying that my goal is to be at the University of Texas and have to go through what I went through, uh, you know, from the struggle and then, you know, out there in the world on my own to now. Yeah is is remarkable you know is remarkable to me you know being that 
my first day walking up into that facility as a consolation prize to work for the University of Texas now. When I learned football, I learned about the University of Texas. The first day I got hired, I'm walking through the facility. It was like Christmas when I was a kid. <laughs> hey, man. And I'm walking in here like, that, that, that yeah. place is beautiful, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm walking out like, oh, this young, the Heisman Trophy, yep. all this stuff. I get to oh, meet oh, Michael. Oh. I get to meet Michael Huff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I get to meet all the people that I grew up, you know, idolizing. You know, it's the University of Texas. You know, yes, it don't, it don't, it don't get no better than that. No doubt. You know. Well, man, I sure appreciate you sharing your story with us. Uh, I just um, thank you for for having the time, and I thank you guys for watching, uh, checking out this episode of the Sex Chronicles. And we'll catch you next time. God bless. Thank you to Best Life Coaching Society for sponsoring this episode of the Success Chronicles. www.bestlifecoachingsociety.com